welcome to episode 39 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing what is necessary to be a successful designer in a contemporary screen-based interactive world. I'm your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. In this episode, we will be discussing the ins and outs of how designers and developers work together. We go into details of when designers and developers work side by side and when they do it, what kind of files they hand off to each other, and how micro interactions are designed and developed. Today's guests are Alexis Findenson, Senior Developer, and Zaid White, Senior Art Director at Chief, an integrated experience agency in Washington, D.C. Alexis's dovetailing interest in development and design make her an invaluable asset to the chief team. Her right brain, left brain dexterity enables her to work seamlessly with both design and development teams to translate creative visions into digital reality. Always a hand raiser, Alexis takes on a variety of site building roles, working attentively to execute designs while identifying and solving development issues. Beyond distinguishing her technical and creative achievements, Alexis is a gifted communicator and collaborator and is passionate about thought leadership in the tech field. Alexis holds a BA in studio art from the University of Maryland College Park. Zaid is an experienced designer, developer, and art director with a work background that spans a range of design disciplines, including identity, print, motion, 3D, product, and furniture design. As senior art director at Chief, he works as a design lead on large-scale interactive projects alongside a group of equally passionate strategists, UXers, and developers. Zaid holds a bachelor degree in industrial design from Virginia Tech, which is framed, but not hung, in his house in Virginia that he shares with his wife and three children. During their time with Chief, Alexis and Zaid have worked together on a number of large-scale interactive projects as a design and development tandem. Some of their most recent project collaborations include work for the National Park Foundation, Peterson Institute for International Economics, and Ameris Bank. Welcome, Alexis and Zaid. Oh, hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to it. Great. So um, before we get started on the discussion about the designer and developer teams, can each of you talk about how you got to your current positions? For example, Lexus, you're a senior developer with a degree in studio art, and Zaid, you're an art director with a degree in industrial design. So that seems like it's a very winding path to get from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think it's a fairly common story, actually, in the industry. Uh, people start off in one discipline and find that something else uh, is very interesting. So for me, it's really been a journey my entire life. Uh, I started off just generally building things as a little kid. I built little uh, cardboard um, architecture models, <laughs> very rudimentary, of restaurants and uh, houses and things. Uh, and then in uh, high school and college, I really started getting into photography. And that's where I really started to think, well, maybe uh, I should 
get into this art thing. Uh, but I was really good at math too. So I started out thinking, well, I'll make the most money as an engineer. Let me go to engineering school. So <laughs> I did that for a year. I was an engineering major and uh, University of Maryland is a very competitive school. Uh, I found myself uh, not at the top of the class and I really wanted to excel somewhere. So I did some soul searching, figuring out what I wanted to do and went back to, to art. Uh, but even in doing that, I wound up back at University of Maryland in the studio art program and I loved it. It was it was wonderful, but I but I didn't see myself getting a job as mm -hmm. a professional artist. I just I don't know. I, there's something to it that I just don't see myself in that in that way. Um, so I went to the design concentration. It's like it's a limited enrollment program. I wasn't sure if I would get in. I was like, oh, whatever. It's a crapshoot. I'll try it out. Um, got really into it. It was a lot of fun. They taught us a lot of print work. Uh, so once I graduated, I was looking for print jobs and once again, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh no, I'm not going to get a job doing this. <laughs> uh, so I actually, um, taught myself, uh, some HTML and CSS just to get into a, a job, just to get my foot in the door as a junior web designer, uh, because all you needed to know was basically how the structure works on a website. Um, and from there, my job experience led me more into development again, which is again, more analytical, more logical. So I, I'm constantly switching back and forth between those two parts of my brain. Um, it's very natural for me to do both. Um, I imagine at some point or other, I'll switch back again. I don't know. <laughs> but for now, this really makes me happen. I, I, I really like having the ability to collaborate really closely with a designer since it is something that I'm really comfortable with and I, that I love so much. That's interesting. Um, I just love the, the role reversal. That, I mean, well, just one little quick follow-up. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you said that like they're different, that they're ones like analytical and ones. I, what, for me, HTML and CSS are maybe it's more PHP, but to me that's creative because you have to, it's not a linear thing when you're trying to figure, figure it out. You have to like try stuff and you have to like, I don't know, let's try this and see how it works. And then like, then reverse engineer. Oh, it worked. Why did it work? That's when it becomes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so for me, it's kind of like using two different senses that do okay. the same thing. It's like smelling and tasting. Um, so they're, they're both very creative and they both, um, activate the brain and I have to think creatively, but, uh, when you're thinking visually, it's very different than thinking about, um, the, the substructure of how content relates to each other and okay. the, the architecture behind a site, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, the, the HTML and CSS part is more visual for sure. And yeah. I love that part. <laughs> Good. Zaid, how about you? How'd you go from industrial design to art direction? <laughs> sure. Um, and, you know, I can, it's only until recently that, that I, I've sort of started to realize that it actually does make sense. You know, I, I can look at, at what I'm doing now as, as a form of product design. Um, but I think it, it did take me, oh God, 
15 years to kind of come full circle with that sort of mindset. But, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm going to go back in time and kind of, you know, you know, cover my, my entire trajectory, you know, it, it started with art. You know, I was, I was a kid that could draw. Um, I was that kid in the class. Um, and that immediately, you know, translated to art. I got to high school and I took some drafting classes, which turned into, wow, I really like this architecture thing, which shaped my, you know, my college search. That's what I was convinced I wanted to do. I want to be an architect. Um, and I went to, I went to Virginia Tech, um, and it's just it's maybe the nature of that school that I feel like is, you know, like the way the program is run, you know, it's, it's in the, the mindset or the, the mindset, the, um, you know, the, it's patterned after the Bauhaus. It's the idea that you have this, you know, the foundational program and, you know, everyone, everyone gets in there, you know, your, your architects, product designers, uh, landscape architects, um, all in, all in the same room, just, you know, figuring out, you know, re, you know reteaching yourself how to, how to write, how to, how to think. Um, and then that, that eventually gets into how to use, how, you know, how to use the workshop. Um, it's really teaching, you know, sort of a, a sort of a holistic approach to, you know, um, you know, working through design problems. Um, and that, that taught me, I don't know if it, if it, it instilled in me a, a sense for, um, for craft. Um, and it also meant that I was in the woodshop and I was terrified of the woodshop, but like figuring out how to use <laughs> the tools. Um, and you know, the same thing, you know, the, the way that, you know, it's almost like graphic design was a facet, you know, they were, they were teaching sort of this holistic approach to, you know, working through design problems. Um, and just sort of design methodology, design approach, whatever, design thinking. And, um, you know, that led to, you know, working, you know, working through, working through the program, having a bunch of stuff that I'm putting together that shapes the portfolio. I mean, okay, now what, how do I, how do I present this? And then, you know, I ended up taking you know, the sort of the intro HTML class, uh, the, at that time it was uh, Dreamweaver. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> you know, familiarizing yourself with Photoshop and PageMaker. Uh, this was a long time ago, um, but that was I sort still of my teach that. <laughs> that was kind of my first taste of graphic design. But you know, I, I came out of that program basically with a, with a lot of skills that I then traded into different kinds of jobs. I started doing you know, my, my first jobs out of school is actually working in architectural environments. I was doing three uh, D rendering. Um, 3D rendering and video. I ended up in another place where, um, where they, you know, they specialized in doing video. They were a multimedia place, which, again, you know, it was just, you know, I was kind of getting my my hands into a lot of different things and kind of figuring out that, um, you know, I, I like to do this video. I, you know, I like to do this modeling, but this internet thing is kind of interesting. You know, it lets me. I can do the creative stuff and then I get to go build something. That was something that I was very into. Um, it got me into uh, developing for Flash. And it was, it was kind of that. I felt like that was, that was a wonderful sort of blend of, of things where I could address the, you know, the design problem in a visual way, but then ultimately I had to know some bit of code in order to, 
to kind of build it out. And it was, it was sort of that culmination of things that, that kind of got me going. Um, building in tables, and then eventually in, and then I, you know, working, working at uh, Vitamin. Um, so I went, I went from this place and, you know, prior to joining Chief, I worked at a place called Vitamin um, in Baltimore. I worked there for seven years, kind of, you know, in a small place, small place with, you know, you know different times. I'm, I'm working with, you know, two or three designers and, <clears throat> you know, so they were, they were focused on PR and design and I, you know, we're very much on the design side. We were, we were, you know, we were, we were doing all of it. We were doing, and everyone there was kind of expected to have these, these sort of, like, uh, you know, I'm going to say it. They're going to, they were expected to wear multiple hats. So you had to, uh, <laughs> you had to be able to build what you designed. And, and, and I think that was on the job description at my first place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no better way of saying it. Everyone, it required that everyone be a bit of a hybrid. There you go. <laughs> um, and um, and I think really it's over the past seven, eight years that where, you know, maybe the industry's changed a bit, but I, I feel like it, you know, and certainly what, what we try to do here is focus on the process, is focus on um, not so much... Uh, like our specialties, but how our specialties overlap, mm -hmm. um, and how we can sort of collaborate. How how designer collaborates with strategist, collaborates with developer. Um, you know, sort of bringing bringing our past experience, bringing our our own sort of perspectives on on how we can approach problems and um, and coming up with the best solutions through that collaboration. All right, good. Um, Some way that's product design. Yeah, we'll see that, <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that I just wanted to like. I, there's a. Th I've always felt that whether it's product design, industrial design, or architect architecture, when you go to school, you do a lot of user research, you do a lot of studying, you of of like the problem before you start doing anything. That's what I think contemporary like interactive design is. It's based on that philosophy. Mm -hmm. And where I think like the print design, yes, they say that they're doing design thinking, they're doing design research, but they're still in the end, it's not on the same level. <laughs> and so I think just product designers are actually more well equipped for UX <laughs> right. than the visual designers. There's a the visual designers have to learn that user right. research part of it. Right. And I think that that's kind of that's been sort of a like a second awakening for me, and I think it's kind of I started to think this way in um, like four or five years ago when UX became, you know, it became this idea. It became this idea that agencies were were turning into roles, they're turning into departments. But I always felt like, you know, that that was just basically, you know, that's design thinking. That's, that's the thinking part of design, mm -hmm. and um, and I, I think, uh, you know. You know, people of, of a certain age can remember that, but um, you know, I think for me it goes back to sort of that. You know, it's 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 one facet of a design process, yeah. and and in a similar way, when I when we're, you know, it, it's not it's not me so much as it is, you know, the collective, um, and you know, I, I I find myself in 
at times or situations where, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we're kicking off a project or something and I can, you know, I can equate that, you know, those interactions, you know, Alexis, um, you know, working with Alexis or Emily or, you know, project manager Kate, uh, UX, you know, we're, we're actually starting the design process at that point by, um, you know, just sort of setting our minds to the task. I, I equate that with design as much as, um, you know, getting in and, and messing around in Photoshop. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, I, I can't stress enough that there, there's a, it, it's a holistic act. I think, um, so you said that you um, were interested in architecture and that you wanted to go to architecture school. I actually had the same thought, um, and I, I wound up going to engineering school instead because I wanted to make something that would hold up over time, and I was worried that if I just went straight to architecture school that the things I built wouldn't be functional, like they'd be beautiful, which I, I do care about, but I, I think the most the highest form of beauty is something that is functional. Um, so I think we're both constantly in search of that, that it, yeah. it meets the need right. and does so gracefully. Right. So you're, so you're building websites the last two years. Well, <laughs> they meet the need. They function right, well. Right, right. They do what they're supposed to do. Well, that's the goal, though. I mean, with the whole idea of atomic design and building systems is that you can do something that is future-proof if you're really on Th it. Things yeah. that things that can be um, articulated upon over time and yeah. um, modified, adapted. Uh, but if if the framework is strong enough, and I don't mean in the terms of like a JavaScript framework, I no, mean right. the foundation of a, of a website, um, if that's strong enough, you can use that to portray anything. You can create any kind of front end with a strong enough system. Right, and it, yeah, and I think um, it, it again comes back to mindset or an approach. If that's the thing that's lasting, it's, it's, the, it's the logic that went into mm -hmm. the, the framework that is you know, maybe built out in HTML, CSS, and whatever, whatever CMS. But if, if the thinking, like the logic is not there for, um, you know, the sustenance of that thing. Yeah, it's like the database structure and how the, um, how the various uh, pieces of content are organized. Like that, that's really the, the core piece of it is being able to access that content and pull it up wherever you want it. Yeah. So, so the, today, though, I, I was specifically wanted to talk to you about how visual designers and front-end developers work together here. Mm -hmm. But before we dive into like the specifics of that, can you describe the general workflow here at Chief, such as you know from like the time from the initial client meeting? Are there things separated? Are like is interior um, not interior architecture? Sorry, information architecture or UX like like phases, um, things like that the final deliverable sure um so yeah we we, we do have a um we do have an approach and process um usually begins with um well first defining a team and i guess if, if we're talking specifically about internet specifically talking about web sites um it would begin with with an intake um and then we would we would step into a a discovery phase in that discovery phase, um, we might 
you know, I think members of, of every team, you know, strategy, strategy UX, design, dev, I think everyone's activated at that point. Um, just, you know, getting a feel for the client, um, maybe at a subjective level and certainly um, objective level. A lot of, you know, we're doing sort of deep dive analytics into, into them, into their site, into, you know, their... Who they their, are and yeah, how they makeup. perceive themselves yeah. and what what they want to be and like how the the website is portraying that. Right. Uh, yeah. So that yeah, that's that's our discovery phase, which which bleeds. You know, I mean, it's almost that's that's where UX is is really starting. So we those those two sort of bleed in. Um, so we we then we're into UX. I'm doing information architecture. Um, into design um and then and and then into dev i mean technically it all kind of happens simultaneously right. for us um so although i don't start developing during discovery i'm i'm present as um just so that i have a reference point to go back to uh when i do start developing because um First and foremost, the UX and design directions need to be uh, capable of being built. Mm -hmm. So I, I review for that. Uh, but also so that when I'm starting to make development decisions as far as which path to take, what kind of solution will meet the need, uh, keeping the end goals of the client in mind. Um, so something may be better for them uh, even though I want to build it this other way. So I'll keep them in mind first. Um, yeah, I mean... And then it, it goes full circle. So then once I start developing, then um, Zade or whoever is designing then comes back and reviews what I've done. Um, so that's where we really start iterating and it becomes um, cyclical. So this is... I'll just jump ahead into my question thought, but... You're already addressing this. So it sounds like you're working in an agile process, not a waterfall process. Mm, or depends. So, um, <laughs> or you don't prescribe to either. At, at the moment, uh, our agency is making the transition to being fully agile. Uh, historically, we've been waterfall. Zaid and I have been on well, two of the, the yeah. most agile projects uh, that Chief has done so far. I, I wouldn't say that we're... I wouldn't say we're transitioning officially. I think what we're we're trying. Well, we're doing trainings well, yeah, and we're we're, doing, we're bidding more. I think yeah. I think that agile. I think the correct the correct answer is that there's a time and place for both waterfall and 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 or agile. And what we found is that more often than not, our approach is some blend of those things, um, or. We are we are in a waterfall approach until we are in an agile approach within <laughs> a, a particular yeah. <laughs> project uh, scope, and and I think we we found that there are certain places where um, that's where you know we were, we were you know Alexis was talking about um, how there's there's a, a a point in our process where it, it becomes iter iterative, and that's you know, a, a natural place for us where that makes sense is when we are. You know, we're past discovery. We're into, we're into the UX slash design phase, um, 
and you know, we, we've we've gotten we've gotten pretty good at, at, at taking sort of a, a batch iterative approach to deliverables, where um, where you know we, we you know UX and UX and designer are are working to to sort of you know set the groundwork, set the you know develop the wireframes, develop the wireframes that will inform the designs, um, and then kind of delivering that as a batch, and then the UX the excerpt while the de while the designer is working out the you know turn those wireframes into comps uxer is working on the next batch of of wireframes and we can you know in that way work through um work through all the all of the all the design aspects in a way where it's it's pretty you know we're we're working closely um and it also enables us to work um, more rapidly. Um, and 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 you know what what we found, what <laughs> more often than not, what the, what that's allowing us to do is get to um, a, a finished thing or a presentable thing that we can put in front of a client that is missing a certain amount of finish. It's missing a certain <laughs> amount of. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a little more it's a little more sketchy. It's a little more, um, it's you know, it's it's showing the intention without, you know, having sort of unnecessary fuss put into it. So what we're doing is trying to get the, you know, get to the idea, sort of as quickly as possible, without, without just hemorrhaging on on hours. So if we can, you know, put a sketch in front of a client and get a just sort of like a tacit buy-in or like uh, okay I guess and then we can move into a design phase and like but no this is this is what this is what we meant and we will we'll render the design as quickly as possible and say is this what you had in mind um, yes or no and then that would inform the, the next next set of actions but what we found is that you know the faster we can get to those sort of um, sanity checks uh, the better so and sometimes that means we we might be leapfrogging through. We might be coming out of the discovery phase already, thinking, "Well, we need to put, we need to put some designed stuff in front of the client now, and we can, you know, we can, we can go to the bank. We can go to the well of all that great research that we just did, or we can maybe just think about, you know, what we know, sort of, you know, intuitively, is is sort of the right." You know, the right solution or maybe find some balance between those things just to get something get to something sooner um, and early so that we can uh, just just head off a lot of you know hours spent toiling and yeah. without without the clients involvement and a lot of that is in the agile mindset of getting a, a product owner to come in and review things with us so we uh, we get very enthusiastic about having engaged clients uh, people who can come in for a meeting two or three times a week <laughs> uh, so we're we do that kind of rapid review cycle um, so they're seeing yeah. something every couple of days really yeah and that, that's something there's a there's a, a good bit of vulnerability that we're, we're still trying to, yeah. to sort out <laughs> 
Like, um, oh, it's not quite ready. Yeah. Oh, they're going to think we don't know what we're doing, right. but we have to show it to them now so that we don't go on the wrong path. Right. And I think what that means for a designer and dev uh, is that you're, you're not, you're not going to get that big unveil. Like you're not going to, yeah. you're going to reach that moment where, you know, it's like, ta-da, here we go. It's all thought out and done, um, which is, you know, we, we can, we can map this back to um, like the college project. Uh, I, I can equate it to that where, you know, you're, <laughs> you know, you, you have, you have check-ins like project runway. Okay. You've got, you got, you've got check-ins. It looks project runway. Tim Gunn is coming <laughs> in and, and he's, he's checking out your stuff prior to maybe the, the real meeting. If we, if we can, so you're getting like good, you're getting good feedback um, sort of early on or you're sort of in, in the, in the midst of, of the process. Um, in a way where it's still, you know, still kind of soft. And mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is how to use that to our advantage. And sometimes it means, well, it doesn't, I can always fall back and say, well, I just, it's still rough. It's a, it's a rough draft. It's not fully thought out. You know, apologize for, you know, all the seam showing or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so you can fall back to that. But that, oh. that said, his rough drafts are always really beautiful. Mm -hmm. The clients go, oh, wait, this is rough? What do you mean it's rough? It looks done. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but I, I mean, thank you, Alexis. But I, I, think, <laughs> I think what, you know, the, the, the role that design plays in, in, in these tasks, I think, I don't know, I want to say it's, it's the best job. Um, but it's certainly, it's, it's the output that, can connect it at, at the emotional level, the you know, the, at the subjective level, um, you know, that, that creates that that moment, that creates that moment of connection between the client and and you know the thing that you're outputting as a team. The designer gets that special job of kind of, you know, painting that that scene, um, but ultimately, that's. You know that's why the client is here. That's why the client is at the table. They they looked at our portfolio. They saw that we had done this. They liked how we had done this for this this other client. So the you know the faster we can get to that moment where we we're creating that emotional connection, we're creating the emotional connection um, potentially between a client and their audience, or you know it's between us and our client. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're we're establishing that that piece then. The rest is, uh, it just makes the rest easier. Well, I'm, that's, that's one of my biggest struggles is that client interaction when I'm teaching because I don't have a client. And if I even do like theoretically make up a client, like have students go through a discovery phase, which I actually do, that I, Dan Mall really articulates what you just talked about really well. If it written down for this is for the listeners about this idea of like at the end, you don't have a big reveal. You just have a series of intermittent design conversations. And so when it comes time for the big reveal, it's nothing that they haven't already seen. Mm -hmm. It's just all of it's coalesced. So <clears throat> where I struggle with an edu is in, in education is that I can't have, how do I have like that intermittent, process where they're getting like feedback from the client um well it's it's kind of, it's a it's the same paradigm of yeah. um student teacher 
uh, so the in this case, the teacher is the client, and yeah. showing those rough drafts to the teacher, uh, it's you want them to be far enough along that when you show it to your professor or your teacher, that you're not embarrassed and they're not going, well, you didn't work on this at all. Like, this is not up to par. You're going to fail, <laughs> you know? Um, it's the same thing where you want to you wanna continually put in effort. And the more upfront effort you put into it, the better. Um, something that uh, I thought was... Uh, really nice about one of the courses that I took. It was for print design, but it's a it's a similar um, concept where we had a project for the school itself, um, and our uh, design professor had um, talked to the the college and said, "What do you need designed? <laughs> Let us design something for you." And like because we're doing it as students, it's free basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it gets you that that extra incentive to get um, your foot in the door. Uh, and we designed some uh, like green space uh, sustainability signage mm-hmm. to, to say like, this is what University of Maryland is doing in this space to improve our uh, ecological footprint, that kind of thing. Um, so you don't have to bring in a third party necessarily, so long as there's enough um, enough time that you can devote to giving good feedback to the students. Yeah. Um, like a client would, and it doesn't have to be, um, great feedback. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, and also this other design thing that you should change. Um, it'd be, well, I just don't like that. And then they'll have to deal with it. Yeah. They'll have to learn from that. Yeah, it's, it's a tough hat to wear because when you do that as an educator, so you're trying to play the client, then at the same time, you're also trying to like teach them like how to talk to the client. Yeah. So it's like you're, it's like Gollum. I'm, I'm sitting there like, <laughs> you know, this, this sitting there like thinking about like, okay, well, I don't like this. I don't like that because it doesn't, it's not solving my problem as the client, but then I have to go like, okay, you should be asking me this so we can get to that point. It's, it's a difficult um, thing to straddle. Um, and then the other thing too, though, you, you mentioned like, this is the other problem with web design is that, you know, maybe you could look for an internal client, but there's no way a student in a beginning class where they're just learning about the visual side of design is going to produce anything that's actually usable. Yes. Um, <laughs> they may have, even if the mock-ups are beautiful and they make this beautiful, like, flat system that it's still a, it's still sitting out there because there's no developer to, <laughs> to make mm-hmm. it real. Um, so... And you already, uh, Zade, you already kind of started addressing this. So if Alexis wants to uh, jump in on this one. So at Chief, what is the typical working relationship between the visual designers and the front-end developers? So is there like ever a point when designer and developer are sitting side by side, you know, working on the design and the browser together? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so what does that look like? When does that happen? Uh, continually. Okay. Um, so it... <laughs> Um, so Zaid kind of does this with me as well with his designs, but, um, basically I'll work on something until it's to a point where it makes enough sense that I can show it to him. Uh, I, I won't show him like what I'm doing in views in Drupal, for example, because that's not relevant to what he's, uh, what he wants to see. But, um, 
when we really get into the development cycle, it can happen every day, every other day, um, for an hour or two at a time, sometimes more than that, sometimes like five hours. Uh, we'll just have like straight working sessions for a full day occasionally. Um, and likewise, Zaid will show me his work. Right. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we, we, we kind of, we touched on this a little bit earlier talking about process and, and, you know, I think this, this is one of those, those areas where, you know, there's, there's overlap between UX and design. There's overlap between UX and dev or, you know, strategy and dev. And certainly, you know, with Alexis and I, that means uh, design dev overlap. Um, so I think, you know, for me that, that it, it actually starts, it starts really early. Um, and we have, we have diff different kinds of um, design deliverables that we will output. Um, you know, page designs are one of them, but there's, you know, sometimes that, you know, if, if we can't, if we can't distill, um, you know, the concept enough and, you know, early on enough in the process, we'll, we'll sometimes show looser uh, design concepts, um, which are maybe, I'm not going to say mood board, because they're, they're not mood boards. It's not concepts. It's, concepts. It's not done on a whim. This is sort of, you know, maybe we're, 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 we're putting together, um, you know, you know, set of brand elements. So it's, you know, we're, we're working through uh, typography and, and, and color systems, but also sort of leading into how those things translate into web-specific interfaces. Um, so that's something that we'll, we'll get started early. And that, you know, a lot of times that's where I'm going to Alexis and I'm, we're talking about, you know, maybe you know, we're talking about basic things like proportion. Is it a 50-50? Is it, uh, or is it broken in the thirds? All these things, you know, if we're approaching the layout. Um, Grid structure, yeah. functionality, um, point size adjustments, like if there's a point or two difference between two different sections of text. I'm like, yeah. is it okay if we make these the same? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're, we're baking baking those things in early, um, and it, it really, I, you know, I feel like it's you know to what Alexis was saying is as soon as it's at a point where uh, I feel like I've got you know my idea down in a way that I can have a conversation about it, then that's probably good enough, and then it doesn't have to be super polished, mm -hmm. doesn't have to have all the refinement, but you know, it, it it's it's um, it's important. You know, this is something that we have we we have to build eventually, and um, there has to be a certain a certain it has to play by certain rules. It has to, you know, it has to uh, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so at, you know, I'll I'll be talking early about grid systems and. And thinking about, you know, if it's a grid of four, at what point does it break down to a grid of three and responsive versus two to one? So we're we're having those conversations very early. Mm -hmm. And in regards to how we actually set up our workspaces, um, so we have a few uh, what we call huddle spaces around the office where people can go and work, um, and they have. Uh, like large conference room tables in them. Uh, and we'll actually take our entire 
um, external monitors set up and the, <laughs> the keyboard and mouse and, and drag it all over there so that we can um, do real work. Because when you're working on a, a small laptop screen, it's hard to, to share with each other what you're doing. Um, so we throw stuff up on the on the big screens. I'll work in browser and be like, okay, let me make this small adjustment here and there and make sure that the line height is right here. And Zaid will bring up his comp at the same time and will be measuring things for me so that I can just like really quickly enter uh, into my code and I don't have to check and switch back and forth between windows. Uh, and then also because he has experience with uh, web development, he's also in the inspector. He's checking out my um, local environment, he can check it over the um, over the local network uh, and have it up on his computer too, um, and see my changes live. And he can adjust uh, to see what he thinks looks right as well. Um, and so that's where it gets really fast um, and uh, lightweight. Yeah. And so this is my other, this is the second biggest challenge, is the fact that you. Both are now working as the super team, <laughs> but they're both vital. You can't have one without the other. And right. so when I'm teaching my students to be visual designers, this idea of like working in teams, how to be a team is really hard to replicate when you don't have a team member that's from a different discipline. Right, right, you know, right. Yeah, like you could do um, some like role playing maybe. <laughs> Um, have yeah. have one person play like the developer and have one person play <laughs> the designer, um, and and try to make them stick to their roles maybe, yeah. um, and then switch. Yeah. But what, what if you you'd have to take the designer out of that? It would have yeah. to be everyone but the designer because everyone. This is I'm talking about designers. Everyone wants to be the designer. I you know I've had. <laughs> well, it might I've, give them more empathy for the developers well, yeah. if they have to play the developer. <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you know. I always that was something you know coming out of coming out of college that I wished um, you know I had more experience with. But th there were a couple of projects where it, we did uh, it, it was more of a collaborative effort, um, and I I feel like the the way to make it work is actually or the way that it works best is when you have when you you pull people from uh, you you pull in. You pull in. From other uh, yeah, departments. Yeah, yeah other yeah. departments. Otherwise, it's um, it's just not. I, I I don't know what I don't know what to equate it to, but it's um, you're, you're all having so, the same conversation. Yeah. You all have the same perspective. So your course covers both yep. design and development at once. Yes. So I'm. Okay. It's the idea of this thing called a flipped classroom. So instead of doing demos in the classroom and then having students go home and replicate or build off of it's the opposite where they get the demos via screencasts, video tutorials, readings like that. Mm -hmm. So that's where, so they're doing screencasts on HTML and CSS and outside of class. And then in class, we're, you know, talking about visual design principles, the, the, the process, you know, starting from discovery, concept, information, architecture, and, and so forth through the end. But they never. I never actually have them build the website that they the mockups that they create in class. Oh, okay. Because they're yeah. just like doing a series of tutorials just to understand the basics of HTML, like what happens when you add padding, what happens when you float, what happens when you use flex. So. Um, it's. I I would say that 
it's a soft skill um, mm-hmm. to to learn how to work with somebody else. And it while it doesn't translate exactly uh, to working with a developer, just working with another designer can be yeah. enough of a challenge on its own. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. just like learning how to talk to someone respectfully and taking their opinions into um, into your thought and, and, um, trying to come up with a compromise like that. That's a lot of what we do is just being nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes the, the, the roles might be more clearly defined, you know, with certainly comparing, you know, how our project teams work with versus, you know, how, how you might create, you know, set up a, a a, a team of designers to role play or whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the roles might be more clearly defined, but I think um, what you find once you get into it, especially if you're, if you're kind of, if it's an all in sort of approach, if it's a real team approach where everyone's sort of going at the same time and having to make things, you know, produce results or whatever, I think you start to, it starts to play out really clearly what, what different people, you know, what strengths are. To, mm-hmm. you know, what everyone's what everyone's strengths are, and I think you you eventually you get patterned into a way of just playing to those strengths throughout the process, and you know I, when that is great, I think is when the uh, you know the, someone might be stepping outside of their you know their 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 perceived role mm-hmm. or their defined role into a place that's maybe somewhere in the middle where we're. You know, we're, we become experts at, um, you know, mitigating or mediating between disciplines. So as part of the process here, Chief, do you use a design system or a pattern library or atomic design when you're working on a project? Yes, I think, I mean, it, it, again, I think it goes back to an approach. It's a mindset. Um, we, you know, it's not that we're coming in with a, with a set of parts that we're, you know, that, that's sort of pre-baked, that we're then sort of theming or, or reskinning for a new project. I think what we've done a, a few times is, uh, recently, um, is sort of, you know, during, during the UX and design phase to start to think that way, to think in terms of patterns. Yeah. And, and um, it, it's, not, it's not that you're coming in with a, with a kit of parts so much as, defining a system or framework once you're once you're into the flow so for example one of our more recent projects uh we decided that there should be a particular um kind of call to action but it it would say a different thing every time um but that it should basically look the same all the time Uh, so that was a repeatable component um that we used throughout the project Oh, it's fine. Okay. Is it okay to talk about our, our, like the projects themselves? It's up to you. Okay. So I was, I was just gonna say, you, 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 you could say, you could just lead that up, set that up differently. <laughs> you, you could just say, with, uh, NPF. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, if you have non-disclosure kind of stuff. That you no, we, we don't. I just didn't know if it was okay to like, say it if it would like feel like a plug or something. No, plug. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Okay. Um, So on one of our more recent projects, National Park Foundation, 
uh, they needed to be able to draw attention to donation forms and uh, newsletter signups, um, but they always needed to look pretty similar. Uh, so what we did is we made that a reusable component um, that we could place throughout the site. So that that's one of the elements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of the, the the thinking that went into that was sort of established early on in, in the, these group planning. Uh, conversations that we had where we were we were doing content mapping exercises and 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 defining this is a Drupal sites we're, we're, we're defining content types mm-hmm. um, and mapping some more abstract sort of themes that we've we, that we'd established with um, maybe some real sort of content problems and and looking at and looking say okay this thing looks like this and where is gonna look like this and this has some of that, so why don't we, we kind of find a way to, you know, to find sort of a middle ground to, um, you know, and work to establish a pattern that that can sort of catch both of those, those sort of different content elements in a similar way, so that we're, in some ways, recycling um, a bit of our, a bit of the you know the structural essence across the build. Yeah, it makes it easier to build a larger site that does more things if you're using the same elements over and over again, but in different ways, in different places. So um, who determines what the library is actually going to need? Is that a, you said it wasn't pre-baked. That's, yeah, that, yeah, that's a, that's a team, yeah. uh, team I decision. Think, yeah, it comes out of that, that planning. Yeah. We, those planning conversations where we're, you know, we're, Maybe in the midst of discovery or coming out of discovery, where we where we just we learned all this stuff and we're we're just you know we have a big whiteboard going and like these are the things that we know and these are the things that we don't know and um, and we can we can just start to in an abstract way start to liken or contrast elements and and sort of you know define their requirements as we see them um, to understand you know, are, we, are we dealing with something that's very image heavy versus text heavy and yeah um, i think you know that's where it starts it, and it, it's, it's very much a, a group effort yeah we were all in that room together um design ux mm-hmm. strategy development and we each had our own perspective of what needed to go into the website so when all of those ideas merged is when we came up with the components um okay. so we we drew out um, basically the entire website, each, each major landing page and each, each type of repeatable content, um, like blogs or, uh, news articles or parks, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and some of it, some of it may have been, you know, and we're, we're talking about National Park Foundation. Um, you know, some, some of the things that we had outlined may have had, uh, sort of, I don't know. We're defining as a team. Um, maybe you know, Alexis is talking from a development perspective that we you know, we have to sort of codify these things now. We need to lock them down, and and everyone in the room can be like, okay, that makes sense. I understand the importance of that and why we're prioritizing that. Some of those things were were mapped out very clearly, mm-hmm. um, but then in other cases, they they weren't so much. You know, they, they, we didn't 
you know, we didn't leave that that those planning sessions with all the answers, but what we did leave with was was this sort of uh, maybe a, a collective you know, perspective on the whole thing to understand, um, you know, like when 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 I step into a wireframing session with with uh, with Kate, our UX designer on the project, um, that we have. You know, the Alexis, you know, she may not be in the room, but the stuff that we're talking about affects her. <laughs> um, and we know that she's got to focus on all this park stuff. How can we, how can we make these, you know, the, the program pages and, and, and maybe the blog articles uh, share a lot of the same components? You know, can we, can we use, you know, patterns across these, these two different types of content types so that we're already, you know, you know, that's sort of instilled in that in that planning phase. Um, it's that idea of, of empathy. Yeah. Um, that we trying try to help to, each other out. Right. We're, we're trying to create a, a current of empathy that that will carry into our you know our separate work sessions, mm -hmm. our separate tasks, our individual tasks. Um, and I think, you know, if, if we're all sort of if we're all able to at least participate in the in the big whiteboard abstraction of the thing that we've, um, whether we're verbalizing it or not, we've we've um, established, um, yeah, I don't know, just a, a, a way of thinking, a way of uh, approaching all the different design problems that will uh, net results that are, I don't know, simple, as simple as they can be, and maybe also in some ways re reusable and modular. Yeah. Um, and it, it isn't always reusable and modular, but we still come away with a shared understanding mm -hmm. of the the goals and how we're going to approach the problem. Yeah. Okay. So, so it, you, it, you, it does sound like you do work together on major milestones, like the different areas and everything like that. Um, so you're, but what kind of things do you hand off and more specifically, like what do, what do you get handed off Alexis as the, the developer? What, what, what is your deliverable from the design team? Is it a sketch file? I mean, you can get down to the nuts and bolts. Oh. Like, like literally. <laughs> oh, the, uh, so the files um, that I get are, are PSDs and okay. Envision links. Um, occasionally, uh, I'll ask Zaid to um, splice up some stuff for me, but generally I do that all myself. Um, it's really only if I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I also, um, I get the wireframes before the comps are done uh, so that I can start laying out um, the, the pieces, the functional pieces of the website um, before design is done. All right, so I have one big question before I ask like the kind of little cozy wrap-up questions, um, <laughs> just paying attention to time. So, and, th and this is my third thing that I struggle with <laughs> big time is, when it comes to micro interactions. And so what I consider a micro interaction is like a hover state, like in a pop-up alert, um, transitions between pages when you click on something, et cetera. So how does the visual designer work with the front end developer to create those micro interactions and then refine those things? Like what's that process look like? Yeah, I can, I can jump in on that one. I know we, we've tried this different ways. Okay. And I, I think, I, unless I have, you know, if, I, if I've been inspired by something I've seen um, or I just have this idea for how I want 
a certain interaction to play out. I might try to render it. I've tried, I've tried different ways. Um, sometimes, you know, Alexis has, has found, I forget the name of the resource. She can plug it if she wants, but it's just a, just a code drops. <laughs> code drops. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, um, was it code pen? Uh, there, there are different, yeah, code pen has one too. there's different places where you can just go and say, Hey, I saw this pattern. Um, this is what I was thinking. Um, or she's just said, you know, I, or I, I'll just say, I haven't thought about hover states and she'll throw something like that. I mean, and just pick one and be like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, and so I, I think there's all kinds of in-betweens. I've, I've messed around with after effects. If I have a really clear idea of how I want something to move, how I want a page to load a sequence. Um, and that goes back to maybe my former life as a motion designer and, uh, where I, you know, I just, I, I, I have an idea kind of from start to finish how, how things should move. But I, I think it's really a spectrum and, and we go to all different kinds of resources to, to figure that out. I would say the majority of interactions like that, they just kind of like lets me do what I want and then he'll review it. Um, it's the, it's the key interactions, the ones that are like the core mission of the website that get the extra attention with the um the renderings right. and the, the extra research um, so is that just your personal approach or do you think a lot of the front-end developers really take the lead on the design of the interactions i think it, i mean i again i'm gonna jump on this <laughs> i i feel like it it comes down to um I wouldn't say it's the designer, you know, having or not having an idea. It might come down to efficiencies. Um, it, it could come down to, uh, I don't know, the, the designer could just be wrong. You know, they could they could have put, you know, things that are just not congruent into the into the visual system. You know, that if if you're you're going to say that um, this button is always going to hover to red. Well, what happens when it's on something red, you know, and that, that's something that you're not going to, you know, right. it's not something you're going to see until you, things are built. And I think that naturally sort of puts it into, into the front end uh, developer's hands. That said, I, I think that it does depend on the developer. Um, not all front end developers have a background in design, so they may not feel comfortable doing it um, or they don't want the responsibility to do it or, um, maybe they prefer being more siloed. Um, but as far as it goes here, I'd say it's really on an as-needed basis. And right. it's never like, it's, it's never the front-end developer making the decision unilaterally. It's always a, well, let me try this thing out and then I'll show it to him. And mm -hmm. if he's cool with it, then it'll just stay there. Or more often than not, there will be a tweak. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's anything sort of locked down in 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 terms of what we are what we're outputting. You know, mm -hmm. if, if it, you know page designs or template libraries, uh, I think it, it it will vary from from project to project how we're going about it. And you know, if I've I've worked with designers where that that's the first thing that they're thinking about it, or it's those those interaction states. It's it's the mobile the mobile with... menu or whatever. Yeah. Know? And I've, I've worked with designers who don't think about them at all um, <laughs> and are perfectly happy to just 
not think about them. That that's um, baffling to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes it just matters. It you know it, it's what what do those interactions matter in the grand scheme of this thing that I'm working on? Yeah, and you know what's the Definitely. best way to you know to render it? Do I have an idea? It's like some, sometimes, it, yeah, or, sometimes they yeah. are very important and sometimes yeah. you, like they're not worth an opinion. They're just, oh, that footer link that just <laughs> technically legally has to be there, but we don't really mm-hmm. want to draw attention to it. So let's just keep it an underline. All right. So now I'll just ask the, the, the two quick wrap up questions. So first one is, what is the one thing, and you can say there's nothing. Um, what, what is one thing you wish design educators were teaching in their classes to better prepare students for the workforce? And so this is in regards to visual designers. Um, that's, I, I guess I have different, I have different opinions about that. I mean, I, I've been in different roles, certainly this one and in, in my prior experiences where I've had to make hiring decisions, you know, doing interviewing and, you know, looking and, and for different, different kinds of roles, junior to senior roles. Um, you know, I, I always feel like typography is really strong. Like if the typography, if it, 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 you know, it, I would say typography is really important to me, it, it, but I think that's more what I'm getting at is if it's not typography, it's an ability to write. It's, it's an ability to execute sort of, out of the box, come in and execute um, the things that that might you know that I might equate to more of a, a production task. You know, th- these are just this should be. You know, if you're if you're if you're a visual designer, you should be able to effectively communicate through visually design. You know, through visual design in a way that that's rapid, that that makes sense. Um, you know, it, it would be like. You know what I equate it to. You know, if I'm working with a with a junior, maybe to senior designer. You know, I should be. I should be able to look at their work and and be able to see the idea without getting tripped up, in um, any kind of clumsiness with, you know, the the image selection or or, or the typography. Um, you know, I should be able, the, the idea should come through, and if I could equate that to you know trying to read. Like read a read an essay or something from you know this is the output of a writer. If I can't focus on the concepts behind the words and I'm I'm fixating on grammar and, and spelling errors as if they've they've outputted it you know without that filter, um, you know I I think I know I kind of go back and forth. Is it you know do I want someone who has has the big ideas and needs to to polish up the execution or do, do I want someone that can execute? And, you know, I, I feel like it, it's some, it's some blend of those things, but I could say that, um, you know, a, a designer that can execute well might have more opportunities open up for them initially. Uh, but if, if it's the one thing, it, it's gotta be typography. I feel like that is, that is sort of the link between all of it you know if, if what we're doing is communicating um and you can and you can just handle your words right um i think that that can you know spill over into into all the rest yeah how about you alexis um for me i would say the um it's incredibly important 
to do self checks. Um, so like if you're being really hard on yourself to try and do something revolutionary, well, maybe it doesn't have to be revolutionary. Ask yourself the, the opposite question and then vice versa. If you, if you're just sailing along and this thing is going together really well, well, think to yourself, well, maybe I'm not pushing myself hard enough. Maybe it's not, I hate to say outside of the box, but maybe it isn't <laughs> uh, enough. Um, and really pushing yourself to um, try new things, but be okay with existing patterns because a lot of those are there for a reason. Um, so that the, the balance between the two is mm -hmm. something that's hard to uh, get and to learn. Um, certainly takes practice, but it's, um, it's something outside of the normal curriculum that uh, I think is incredibly valuable. And yeah, I was speaking of outside the curriculum, something that I feel like maybe is never teachable that I think you started to touch on is, is, is the idea of drive. It's just, you know, the idea that, um, you know, and <laughs> it's the idea that this, that this is an opportunity, um, you know, that if, if someone's coming into, to do an interview or they're, they're starting out in their role, um, that they, they have in them, you know, this, this, this drive that's going to push them through. Now, maybe they're not working on the most exciting stuff right away. You know, they're going to, they're going to have to earn that. Um, some people come in with, with expectations that they're going to get right into the cool stuff and then they, mm -hmm. and they, you know, they become, right. they become disinterested or whatever. Um, a lot of times, you know, we, we go through phases where there's just no cool stuff. There's no cool stuff in here. We're in, we're, 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 we're in a, we're in a delivery phase. We're in a discovery, phase, whatever. We're, yeah. we're just, we don't have cool stuff to think about, but it, you know, it's the people that step up, um, and that can, I don't know, they, they've got that, that, that unteachable skill of drive where they can come into a situation and, and maybe see all the opportunities, um, or, or take, take the, um, uh, the, the the lull to take the uh, I don't know you know the, the smallest production task as as a challenge um, and appreciate it for, for what it is um, because it's you know they, they are gonna it's gonna be a stepping stone into something else and um, I don't know I think that's that's the biggest biggest unteachable and and the thing that we we try hard to find you know and sometimes it, it you can see it in a, in a junior designer. Maybe they've, they've been a couple of places or they've, they've, they've done like a, a course correct in their career. Um, but you know, it, it's that, it's that little bit of fire and it's not, it's, it's not ego so much as it is. Um, I don't know. Natural curiosity. <laughs> sure. It, yeah. I mean, there's something, you know, they, they, they haven't just been, uh, outputted out of out of a program uh they've been exposed to some other things that have that have sort of shaped their experience and they're sitting here at this table because they want to be here uh not because they feel like they deserve to be here mm -hmm. and um i don't know that that's the uh i think that's that's the magic unteachable thing mm -hmm. so last question then 
so is there anything that you both are personally working on that you want to tell the listeners about? Or... <laughs> you don't have personally, <laughs> personally, yeah. I mean, if you have, if you don't have any personal projects, say, yeah, nah, I don't have any. <laughs> Just want to give people a chance to talk to about themselves, right? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I I can talk a little bit. I mean, I've I've got. Uh, you know, I've I've you know recently stepped into this uh, more of a design only kind of role over the past year or so. Or, Prior to that, I was doing, you know, working in places where I could I could do the design and and dev stuff, um, and um, I I think part of me is missing some of that. So I, I, and I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that my, my dev skills are getting rusty, but I am looking for opportunities to kind of get back in and get my hands dirty with with some things. Uh, maybe that's a New Year's resolution. <laughs> Yeah. To get back in and, and build again. I see you looking at me like with this Guy look. Me. I'm like, oh, I love it. I mean, yeah, that fire. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are times, and testing, testing Lexus's patience maybe a couple of times. Where, <laughs> you know, it's one of those instances where I just I have an idea for, for something that, that takes on a visual shape on the site. Um, but. Uh, I've gotten there because maybe I, I saw some cool CSS right up somewhere and I've just been waiting to make it happen. <laughs> so I'm, I might just jump in and, and, and do the, do the work and hand it to her and hope that she doesn't, you know, get pissed. I'd be like, Oh, his syntax is bad here, but I'll <laughs> fix it. So how about you? Anything Lexus that you're excited or personally working on you want to share? Um, I'm always interested in animation, mm -hmm. um, uh, CSS animations and mm -hmm. um, JavaScript. Um, but really making, uh, I've, I've spoken about it a few times um, in, in a few different meetups and uh, events. Um, Which but, meetups are you, um, you touring? <laughs> so I, I've spoken at uh, the Drupal DC meetup and um, uh, Drupal GovCon, and um, Zayd and I spoke about our process, but mm -hmm. also about um, you know like how we come up with ideas together at uh, a recent event that was um, hosted by AIGA and um, uh, DC Web Women, I think uh, one of the one of the female groups in DC. <laughs> right. I apologize if it's the wrong one. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, uh, um, I will actually look it up and put the proper one in the show notes. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> DC web women. Um, and, uh, she codes women who code women who code. Oh, God. <laughs> so it was, um, it was a joint, but anyway, so right. it was a joint effort between, uh, these two different organizations and, uh, but essentially what it comes down to is giving your audience something uh, spectacular, something something unusual, something that will uh, catch them off guard. And animation is a, a really powerful tool to do that with. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've been exploring different ways to incorporate more animation into my websites, but in a way that's unobtrusive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
it it should feel seamless and delightful, not in the way. Yeah, I get um, it. <laughs> so that that's something that I'm constantly working on. So that's all we have time for today on episode 39 of Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guests, Alexis and Zaid, for being so generous with their time. I also want to thank Chief for hosting the recording of this podcast. I want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank to the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor DigitalOcean and CDN sponsor Fastly for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you like this podcast, consider leaving a review for it in the iTunes store and share it with your colleagues and friends. To discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit the show website at designedu.today. To keep up with new show releases, you can follow us on Twitter at designedu today, like the Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes or Google Play Store. Finally, if you'd like to suggest topics for future episodes or give feedback to help improve the show content, me through Twitter or the show's email address at hello at designedu.today. Once again, thank you for listening to Design EDU Today. <laughs>